Welcome to the Big Yellow School Bus, and here's your host, Jack Cobb with Murray County Public Schools. Welcome to the Big Yellow School Bus, Murray County Public Schools talk radio show and podcast on 103.7 FM WKRM. We are going to have a great show today. Um, Mike, we got with us some very special guests. Mike is the, the second hand here <laughs> at the uh, um, Big Yellow School Bus. Yeah, I'm the assistant driver, right? The assistant driver, yeah. 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 you got to have an assistant on well, a school bus. I just say, I'm the one that sits in the back and keeps everybody straight. I hope so. so. <laughs> I hope so. Okay, um, today we ha- we are going to be talking a little bit about Black History Month. To be in February is Black History Month. And I have a special guest with us from Mount Pleasant High School. He's the special education inclusion English teacher, Mr. George Cannon. Welcome, George. Good morning. Good. Glad to be here. George, tell our listening audience a little bit about yourself. And I I obviously just told them that you're a teacher in Mount Pleasant High School. But give us a little history about you without actually getting into our stories. Okay. I'm from Mount Pleasant, Tennessee originally. I graduated from uh, Mount Pleasant Clark in 1969, the uh, old black school that used to be in Mount Pleasant. That uh, closed in 1969, and I was the last. I was in the last class to graduate from Clark High School. Hey George, that was a not a K through twelve, but a one through one, twelve. One, school, through, right? one through twelve. Yeah, because we have a lot of unit schools in our in our county still. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Uh, went to school at uh, went to college at Columbia State for two years and graduated there and went on to MTSU and graduated from MTSU in 1973. So. And at MTSU, what uh, did you get a degree in something? I got a degree in uh, education, K through twelve, health and PE teaching. All right, cool. And before the show, we were talking a little bit, and you said this is kind of your second career. Did you work somewhere prior to being a teacher? Yeah, uh, I retired. I worked for thirty years at Bridgestone Corporation. Retired from there in two thousand nine, and went back to uh, teaching. I started teaching. I, I taught for a few year, for a year in 1977, 78. After I got after college, I went to the Navy. Spent four years in the Navy. And when I graduated from uh, when I uh, got out of the Navy, I came to back and taught at King's Daughters for a year in 77, 78. Then I moved to uh, Murfreesboro and worked at uh, Central Central High, Central Middle School for a year. It was middle school back then. Central Middle School for a year, then I went to uh, work at Bridgestone. Hey, George, thank you for your service in, in the Navy. That's, that's very commendable. Let me ask you something about the Navy, because I have a friend in the Navy, and he said that they were the backbone of the military because they're the ones that took the Marines to get where they needed to go. Otherwise, they couldn't get there on their own. Is that true? Well, that's true. Yeah, in fact, I, in fact, I, uh, I did service on a uh, what we call an LST. It was a uh, troop carrying ship, and we carried the uh, Marines to different places and would drop them off during a mission and let them go out there and do whatever they did want to do or had to do at training, and then we'd go to different ports while they were gone. Yeah, that's he. He always bragged on the Navy because you know he was in the Navy, and he said uh, you. 
they couldn't find their way around the globe if it wasn't for them. No, yeah, you say, you know, like the Navy, you join the Navy and see the world, and <laughs> that's what they'll give you in a short amount of time, the world. George, thanks for telling us a little bit about yourself. We're going to talk a little bit more about some of the stories you have to share, but I also want to get introduced on the show, our regular, very regular guest, Mr. Chris Pointer, Athletic Director and Nursing Supervisor at Murray County Public Schools. Welcome, Chris. Hey, good morning, Jack. Glad to be here on the bus again. Tell our listening audience, uh, if they haven't heard you on the show before, a little bit about yourself. Uh, Chris Pointer, uh, born and raised Columbia, Tennessee, uh, proud Murray Countyan. Uh, went to the uh, MacDowell Elementary School, greatest elementary school ever. Went to uh, there and went to Withorn, left Withorn and then went to Central High School. And then from high school, I was able to get a academic and athletic scholarship to Austin Peay State University and uh, came back to Columbia to work in the community. And, you know, fast forward to now, I'm, I'm working in Murray County Public School Systems and doing something that I love and working with uh, uh, athletics and nursing and getting to work with young people every day. And it's something that I'm truly passionate about. Man, I can tell you that for that is a fact. I met Chris back, I think it was around 2015, and we were working on some similar projects together in my previous career. And Chris is very passionate about students and, and athletics and everything. And, man, Chris, we're so glad you could join us today for this special edition of the Big L School Bus, just talking about Black History Month. And, of course, Coach Mike Lyle. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Coach. Thanks for being here today. We couldn't, I couldn't run this show without you. Well, I appreciate You're like the that. Navy because well, the big yeah. school bus driver uh, don't know how to run all that yeah, equipment. Yeah, with the six months I spent at the Naval Academy, we learned, We did learn you know, the Marines were part of the Navy, but never tell one that. Never tell a Marine <laughs> that. <laughs> so, thank you for your service, too. Well, I, I really didn't. Uh, you know, I appreciate that, but it's actually I did not serve. I, I only lasted six weeks. Oh no! Okay. And uh, resigned my resigned my commission when I realized that was uh, not quite the life that I thought it was going to be. I understand. <laughs> I understand. So I while that. I had the choice, I I, I made the move and, and, and stuff. So uh, no, do not please do not put me on the same okay. level with the guys that did serve. Uh, I understand. So. But, uh, I, I didn't know, and so I didn't. Uh, no, that's fine. Make sure and, and I did that. I, I have a habit of whenever I'm out and about, and I see somebody with a veteran's hat on or something. Yeah, I have to stop and talk. I have to say hi. And, and we're not even in Veterans Day program today, but it's a big deal. Yeah, it really is. So I George, stayed in just long enough to understand what they really do and yeah. how they really do it and stuff. And I do appreciate them, and I do. Uh, I am grat- grateful for their for their service. Uh, but uh, no, do, please. I'm, you know, I don't deserve that kind of recognition. All right, that, no worries, so. George. Let's talk a little bit about you growing up in Mount Pleasant. Um, you were probably about ten years old in the 1979 time frame, 1980 time frame. Tell us, you were, you said, um, yeah. no, you're 69 right now. Okay, so I've got my numbers all back. <laughs> yeah, we are back. So when you were a young man. Integration hadn't taken place yet, right? No, I grew up in you know. Actually, I started high school in nineteen in nineteen fifty seven. You know, you know, uh, That's when you started high school. Yeah, I always tell people I started. You know, I started high school three years after the uh, Brown versus Board of Education decision to uh, integrate schools, and fifteen years later. The state of Tennessee had not finished that. Finished that. Took that long. Yeah. So wow. 15 years later, in 1969, you know, I graduated from my all-black school. Started our all-black school, finished from my all-black school. Although I do, I will give them that. In 1960, uh, 
five sixty six school year or somewhere like that. They did they did start something in Murray County called uh, Freedom of Choice. So you did I did have the opportunity to transfer to uh, Haylong High, the white school in Mount Pleasant, if I wanted to, but I chose to stay at Clark. Okay, that's interesting. Um, I have talked to Dr. Rose McLean about her adventures being the first um, young black student at McDowell Elementary. And, and Chris, you did a shout out to McDowell. I love that. Um, it had such great, rich history at that school. And she told me the whole story last year in February of last year. And so I wrote up an um, article about her. And so that's around the same time frame, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, tell me a little bit about you know, some of the things you've seen as challenges. I mean, obviously you were at Mount Pleasant Clark for your whole high school career, but there was a lot of things happening back then in integration. And you said the the laws have changed and they were taking a long time to be implemented. So tell us a little bit about like, were you an athlete and did you get an opportunity to play against the other schools that hadn't been integrated and stuff like that? No, uh, yeah, I was an athlete. I played uh, football and basketball at Clark High. Uh, they, uh, in fact, uh, they integrated. I play, We played. Uh, I played in the twenty uh, second district uh, basketball. They integrated that in nineteen sixty six, sixty sixty seven, sixty eight. No, sixty five. Can't think. It was sixty seven. Sixty-six, sixty-seven. Okay. When they integrated, they integrated that year, uh, and let us play. Let black schools, two black schools, uh, Clark High in Mount Pleasant and Carver Smith in Columbia. We got to play in the twenty-second uh, district tournament in sixty-six, sixty-seven. Although we were in the twenty-second district, uh, most of the schools in the twenty-second district did not schedule us to play during the year. They most of them played each other, but we didn't get to play. We played. I think we played one one district game. That was Hampshire played us during that year. Yeah, we. But they let us in the tournament. Hmm, that's interesting. Um, and let me think here. Back sixty seven, sixty. I, I was just a kid. Yeah. Okay, so um, I was in elementary school. I grew up in a different area of the country. And I was experiencing that also as a kid because what – and some of my best friends, in fact, my best man was a black guy named Charles, and he was a great man. Um, but they started where I lived, busing – it was a larger um, city. So they bussed people from across town into our high school. And it was probably the best thing they ever could have done because we became close-knit in the fact that we were all together – Versus before integration, and you just were the this, this side of the fence and that side of the fence. So, what are your thoughts on that and the integration part? Was that a good thing for you? I mean, well, yeah. When people mention mention busing, I you know, I have a different I have a different uh, uh, thought on busing. You know, a different experience on busing. When I went, you know, when I was in school, you know. Uh, where they think in the early 70s, you know, they used busing to integrate. While I went to school during the uh, 60s, they used busing to segregate, mm. you know. Okay. Because uh, schools like, uh, towns like Spring Hill. Spring Hill didn't have a uh, black high school, so they uh, bused kids to uh, 
Columbia, Takava Smith. Uh, also, Kalioka, you know, they bus schools, mm-hmm. bus kids from Kalioka, to black kids from Kalioka, Takava Smith. Uh, they bus black kids out of the county of Lawrence County uh, to uh, Mount Pleasant. Uh, they bus kids to Clark High from Lawrence County. Just they to bu- go to the high school, yeah. Mount Pleasant Cause, Clark. Because Lawrence County didn't have a black high school. Interesting. So, so know, before integration that I experienced, the integration was reversed. Yeah, it was segregated. Yeah, but they use or the they, segregation. Yeah, they use bus yeah. to segregate like they use bus to integrate. Wow, yeah. that's interesting. Chris, did you have any of them experiences growing up? <laughs> You're so much younger than all nah, of us man. in the room. Nah, I mean y'all are y'all are y'all are a lot older than me and uh, walking history books, but. Uh, you know, I think I think one of the things about busing that's that's very unique to to kind of speak on is you know, and I think uh, Mr. Cannon spoke to it. Also, too, when you begin to integrate schools, they begin to bus kids out of predominantly black communities, and then bus them into areas that were predominantly white communities mm-hmm. where those schools were. So when that happened. Schools are heartbeats of communities, mm-hmm. and when you begin to bus, you begin to take that heartbeat away. So. Yes, they began to integrate schools, but it didn't happen f- cross communities. And had they would have integrated cross communities, I think things would have been a lot different. Um, and so I think you you still, in in many ways, have the existence of Clarks. You have the existence of uh, Carver Smiths or College Hills because when you integrate cross communities, uh, those 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 schools now continue to be viable. Mm-hmm. But when you take kids out of a community and put them in a whole separate community, then you start trying to figure out, well, we don't need these buildings anymore. The number of students in those in those schools are down. And you just begin to slowly kind of strip away uh, resources. Now, I don't know. I wasn't back then, so mm-hmm. I don't know the the full thought process behind, you know, integration. I do know what the thought process was behind segregation. Right. But in integrating schools, what the full thought process was, because the intent never was uh, to cross-integrate schools. It was simply just to move kids from one community to the next and eventually. And I think what I've what I've heard and, and read a little bit, and it seems interesting to me in, in doing this, because you mentioned using buildings and not using buildings. The integration effort was basically moving black kids into white schools, there wasn't a reverse. Exactly. There wasn't a reverse of moving white kids into black schools. That's true. Mm-hmm. And and so, yes, you had a, yes. a, you know, the community, you know, you had, you, you move, actually move a black kid out of his community into a, you know, for lack of a better term, into a foreign community. Mm-hmm. It's hard to become a part of that school that that way because it's not part of your community and, it, and, it, and, and, and it, yeah you know like you said the the, the cross wasn't there it so was you, just one way it was a one-way integration and i think that's one reason why there was the struggle that there was in implementing integration if it okay. had gone both ways i think it would have yes there would have been some initial struggles at, at you know anytime you make changes there's struggles i think it would have been um mitigated a lot faster Mm-hmm. Had they had they gone both ways with that? Yeah, you see, we were we went to school under the uh, doctrine of uh, separate. It started out as separate but equal. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the doctrine. But you know, they 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 had all, they, they were good at the separate part. Yeah, the, the reality. To, yeah, the reality was not equal. Part, yeah, you know, so that's why you know when 
when we, you know, when they offered us a chance to go to uh, Halong, you know, and for freedom of choice, you know, we, we were happy at Clark. We just wanted some equality. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no equality there, you know. The, you know, the books we got were books from, they sent from Halong, that Halong students in the ninth grade had used, you know, we got them in the 11th grade. Right. Yeah. Well, interestingly, if, if you heard, read my story last year with Dr. Rose McLean, the biggest reason as a child that she wanted to leave the school she was at out in, um, what's the little community, John 31? Was she Back Creek Park? Um, if she heading towards 31, towards Kolioka area. Anyway, she left that school. Primarily, she wanted to come to McDowell because they had better books. That was her sole purpose for asking her mom and dad, can I go to this school since we have a choice? Because she knew they had her friends that associated with her family that went to McDowell. She seen the books, and they didn't have notes written over them. They didn't have pictures drawn over the paragraphs, and she seen the books, and she wanted to go to McDowell to have the better books. I thought that was a really amazing story last year that I learned from Dr. McLean. And when you just said that about you know the books and stuff, getting secondhand books, and that was something that she didn't like. So I, I can totally get that picture after learning Dr. Rose McLean's story last year. Um, so I understand more now than I ever did before that the importance of just the the literature that you were getting in school, so they kept you guys with used books and behind, right? Yeah, you know, we'd get books that were you know in the ninth grade we'd get books that uh, junior year that the seventh graders that used, you know, right? You know, so yeah, you know, we were always two years behind. Our books were always two years behind the uh, white students, you know. Were they but, always written in and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, we got their used books. Yeah, you know? yeah, so the, the students were <laughs> you know? writing them. You know, so the more they used them, you know, yeah. the more we appeared to us as used books. That's interesting um, to, to understand that. that, but, that know, it was wasn't that, that they were used. It was just they were not on grade level for, right. for us. You know? Yeah, I don't think they, Dr. So McLean said us, that. They kept us behind. I think because she was entering into first grade, I believe is what it was. So for her, first grade, there was no books before that. You know, so the books they had, they were just always tore up. Yeah. They were always marked up. They were always torn, pitch, um, pages mission, missing, et cetera. And so I thought it was really cool that that was one of her reasons she told her parents that she wanted to go to McDowell. Yeah, you know, the, the, the biggest equalizer we had in our black schools were that the teachers we had. Mm-hmm. Were you know were top level teachers, mm-hmm. you know these were you know some of the top people you know so because education was the uh, big was one of the uh, biggest professional professions for educated black people back then. That was one of the professions that you know most educated people, a lot of educated people went into. So you had some of the best teachers you know you could have. You know so they they gave you the equalizer that would help you. When you graduated from high school, help you be on that level, you know, because when you took uh, the ACT started back then when I was in high school, you know, so the black kids and the white kids started taking the same ACT, although we didn't have the same level of books they had or, or had the same grade level of information they had. Our teachers knew what we needed to know to take that test, so, you know, they prepared us on, on that level so, you know, we could compete. 
Wow. George, hold that thought. We're going to be back after the break. I'm just getting the signal. We are the Big Yellow School Bus with George Cannon, Chris Pointer, Mike Lyle, and myself talking black history. We'll be back after a word from our sponsors. Don't go away. Big Yellow School Bus with your host, Jack Cobb, with Murray County Public Schools will be right back after these messages from our sponsors. One of our objectives at Caledonian Financial is to impact our clients and friends in a positive manner. Whether it's a friendly voice, a smile and a wave as you walk past our office, or supporting our community, the Caledonian team is actively involved through our memberships in Kiwanis, Rotary, Murray Alliance Circle of Excellence, volunteering in Boy Scouts and 4-H, serving on a variety of boards and more. We stay connected to Murray County. This is Daisy Cook with Caledonian Financial in historic downtown Columbia. Securities and investment advisory services offered through NBC Securities Incorporated. Member FINRA and SIPC. Hello, WKOM and WKRM listeners. My name is Michael Parks Lawrence at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC in Columbia, Tennessee. Parks Motor Sales was founded by my grandfather, Robert Parks, and my great-grandfather, Julian Mays, in 1958, over 60 years ago. Being family-owned and operated, we invest in our community. You'll see our support everywhere you go. Schools, sports, band, and even charities. We invest in our community because we live here and we love this community. Come see me and my cousin, Robert Rogers, at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC right off Nashville Highway or visit us at parksmotorsales.com. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. Hi, this is Steve, the Garbage Man. Our company, The Garbage Man Incorporated, has been advertising on WKOM and WKRM for years now, and as a result, our company has really grown. Now we're looking for young, healthy, hardworking people to grow with us. We are in need of drivers and helpers. We pay serious money. So if you like outside work and want to work for a great local company, call me at 931-540-0919 and let's talk. Barry Rankin is your hometown grocer, folks. He's with Foodland right here in downtown Columbia, Tennessee, a grocery store stocked with everything that I can imagine you would ask of a grocery store. What's happening in Foodland this week? Okay, this week we have a special buy on T-Bone Steaks at four ninety-nine a pound. Wow. We have a Prairie Fresh Show pork loins that are boneless at $1.88 cents a pound. We've got the Red Ripe Strawberries this week, two one-pound packages for $5. We've got Niagara 24-pack water, four for 10 and Domino Sugar, a four-pound bag, two of those for 5 bucks. All right, Barry, let's talk about your days and hours. Okay, we're open seven days a week from 7 a.m. till 9 p.m. These specials he's talked about will run until close business next Tuesday. Then next Wednesday, we'll, Foodland will have a whole other round of specials. Perry, you there at Foodland, y'all have a great week, okay? All right, appreciate it. Welcome back. You're listening to the Big Yellow School Bus with your host, Jack Cobb with Murray County Public Schools. I'm 
Welcome back to the Big Yellow School Bus, Murray County Public Schools talk radio show and podcast on 103.7 FM WKRM. We are brought to you by Caledonian Financial. Man, we have a great show going on here today. We have Mr. George Cannon, special education and inclusion English teacher from Mount Pleasant High School that has a ton of great um, historical stories to tell us about what happened back in his early days. And we have with us Mr. Chris Pointer, athletic director, who's going to tell us a little bit about some of his grandfather's adventures here in Murray County. And of course, Michael Isle and myself. So before the break, George, we were talking about um, the teachers and how you may not have had the best books in the world. You may have had hand-me-down books, but you had some amazing teachers. Yes. So know, tell us a little bit. I, about I, I know both at both uh, Carver Smith and Clark. Yeah, I, mean, I know the Clark teachers were great too. Also, uh, the, back then in the sixties, you know, they knew these teachers knew that integration was coming, so they started preparing us for your know, integration. You know, with the knowledge that they had. You know, they would give you uh, knowledge above your grade level because they knew your books were not on grade level. They would uh, do extra study and extra research, you know, in whatever areas they were teaching to prepare you for the test and the competition they knew you were going to have beyond high school. That's cool. Yeah, but uh, another thing about that, you know, the teachers like the separate but equal idea you was going on. Our teachers made less at Clark and uh, Carver Smith than the teachers at Central High and Mount Pleasant High made. You know, they were made, they they were doing the same job, but they got less pay. You know? oh, of course. So, yeah, you know, but they, yeah, you know, that, that has but been they, a they fight. Had, they had to be similarly qualified, though. Right, that's a fight that still goes yeah, on today, yeah, equal yeah. pay for equal yeah. work, and, and yeah. many people, um, and it's a sad thing to realize this was back in the 60s, and it still happens yeah. today. So, some things just never change. Yeah. Um, but I, I really am impressed by the fact that you had these teachers that were above par and did a great job getting you guys ready because integration was coming fast. And, yeah. and during the break, um, Mike and I were talking to you about the schools and how that happened. And Chris mentioned something about it where you had two schools that came together with Mount Pleasant High School, right? Oh. Uh- in 1969, Clark High was uh, closed as a high school, and uh, the kids from Clark High had to move to the white school uh, in Halon. You know, but that only lasted a year in Mount Pleasant. The next year, in 1970, 71, they had 1970. They built Mount Pleasant a totally new school, the same Mount Pleasant High that you have now. That was built, you know, built and integrated in 1970 with both students from Clark and Halon. But but the students had been at Halon for a year before they moved into Mount Pleasant High. At uh, in Columbia, Chris talking about Carver Smith students went into Clark. Yeah, yeah. When I mean Carver Smith students went into Central High. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's but interesting. They, and that's where they remain. So you had Haylong and Clark and Mount Pleasant High School at the same time? Or no, no. it was just Haylong and Clark. And then they built Mount Pleasant High School 
and then everybody became part of that school in yeah, 1970, 71. Yeah, but all of them, went, all students in Mount Pleasant went to Halong for one year. Okay. Before Mount Pleasant High was born. And so in 1971, it became a fully integrated school. The whole community went to one high school finally. Yeah, in the, uh, in the fall of 1970. So finally, and, there was some equality. And probably one of the things that made that as positive as it was, was it was a new school. Mm-hmm. It wasn't them, it wasn't Clark moving into Haylong, even though they had to do that for a year. It was both schools, basically Clark and Haylong, both getting closed, everybody moving into one school. And so you had the community built around yeah. that one school. It wasn't, again, like we mentioned before, moving kids out of one community yeah. into another Basically, two communities uh, melded together, yeah. and that that was so, probably the best way it could have been done. Haylong was uh, also a black school. Haylong was the white school. Haylong was the white school in Mount Pleasant. Yes. So for one year, there was integration in that school, and then they built a brand new high school, which is our current Mount Pleasant High School. Yes. That's very cool history. I did not know that. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it's the fifty first year for Mount Pleasant High School. Yeah, fifty first. Yep. Yeah, I think I seen that last year, Chris. We had something going on last year with uh, fifty years um, with Mount Pleasant High School, I believe. Chris, tell us a little bit about what you learned from your grandfather um, growing up in Murray County in Columbia. And you told me an interesting story at the break. I'd love for you to share that. Uh, <clears throat> so, back in the fifties, of course, students were going to College Hill uh, School at the time, and and that school got to the point where, you know, there there was a need for another school and leaders at, you know, College Hill began to try to petition the school board at the time and leadership at Murray County Public Schools to build them another school. So they needed another school because there was too many students, correct? Well, it was several things. I think the, the age of the building, mm-hmm. student population, uh, and just trying to provide additional amenities uh, for the students was was part of the charge for the need to build another to build another school. So the county listened and just went right out and built another no, school, right? No, it's never that easy. I mean, you're talking no. about an all black school. <laughs> so of course we know that didn't happen. So what what did happen and it took a lot of convincing, it took mm-hmm. a lot of, of 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 pushing and um and and convincing and, and it got to the point where uh Murray County Public School Board and leadership said, "All right, well, you know, we're not going to build you a school, but we'll provide you the supplies and the materials. And, and basically, you know, dropped them off is essentially what they did. So they, they had the them. land and they had supplies, but they had to build the school themselves? Yeah. So they basically had told them good luck is what they did. <laughs> good luck with building your own school. They didn't give them an architecture or an engineer to help no. build it and all that. You no know, leadership of like Randolph Howell and folks like that, you know, assembled a group of students. Um, through their through their class, and my grandfather was part of that class, and he my grandfather was one of the leaders on that class, and led the group of students as they built their own high school. So they went to College Hill part of the day, and then the other part of the day they had to work on building their own high school, which is to think about that and and to try to get your mind wrapped around that is mind blowing. To think that you know if we for example you know we're we're looking at building another high school in Spring Hill. Mm-hmm. Battle Creek High Battle School. Battle Creek yeah. High School. The, that is the equivalent of our school board coming back and saying, Spring Hill community, if you want another high school, we will drop the materials off and good luck on trying to figure out how to build it. Wow. That, I mean, that's the equivalent of it. Right. And we know that wouldn't happen. 
I don't think the general listening audience and, and the general population of this area actually knew that that actually happened. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, and, and, and as my, but the thing about it that, you know, on, on my end of looking at things and thinking like, man, how bad that was, how wrong that was. And it was in so many different ways, but the individuals who had a hand in building that school, the pride that they had oh, yeah. in that school, the yeah. craftsmanship of that school, the parquet floors and the, the hallways and, and, and every inch of that building, the people of the community built that school and there was such pride and such energy around that school. And Mr. Mr. Cannon can probably add more to it, but when I, when my grandfather talked about Carver Smith, his eyes, my grandfather is one of the smartest men I know, mm-hmm. and he only he only had an eleventh grade education. Mm-hmm. And and part of what he learned during that time of the College Hill Carver Smith time uh, is is what has influenced me in a lot of ways in my life today. Uh, but just thinking about the power of people. To say, all right, you put another roadblock in our in our way, we'll show you. And they built an amazing, amazing school. Um, but I, I'll, and I'll the, let the school they built was called Carver Smith. High Carver school. Smith, and that is no longer standing. No, the building is still there. It's now public housing. And, and so, uh, okay, so right. well, Section Eight apartments. Okay, another interesting fact about that, and this is probably going back thirty years, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, Murray County Public School owned that building and put it up for sale. And um, and my grandfather tried to assemble a group of people to try to purchase that building. That high school was for sale for $100,000. So the, the school was never getting given back to people who worked on it or built it. It was sold to some developer who now turned that into Section 8 apartment housing. And when you And at the core of that, you think about these people did all of that work, put all of that energy and all that time to build their own school for it now to be something that is just a apartment complex. Yeah. Just, I mean, but it's just a fragment of itself. I mean, it's not even the history of it. Right. It's not even there existing based on what the people, because I don't, I don't know of another school in Murray County and I may be wrong that the school system told them, Good luck. You got to build it yourself. Wow. Mr. Carter? Mr. Cannon, did you have some other? I seen you like you were chomping at the best ready to say something. No, uh, I was, you know, I was thinking, you know, the same, you know, like the same model, model, build and learn model that they uh, use to get to build Carver Smith, you know, uh, they also, that Mr. Howell and the students mm-hmm. build the Carver Smith, they, they also used to, uh, Build houses, not just a school. You know, they you know, years later they they went out and uh, the uh, shop, uh, the building trades department of the school would go out and uh, build houses for people. You know, they uh, people would get a uh, construction loan, and the uh, school just to learn learn to to learn the students how to. Uh, do things or how to build or how to build do trades, they would go out and build houses that people are still living in today. Mm-hmm. You know, and we have our uh, school board um, uh, room at the H.O. Porter mm-hmm. um, School, and I, I can imagine that some of those houses that are older in that area that were probably built by them maybe in that area because I, I drive around that neighborhood and there are some beautiful homes in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I was just... 
Christmas time. I, I was going to a meeting in December, beginning of December, and I was driving around, and I there was I had to wait because I got there early and it wasn't open, so I drove around the community and was looking at Christmas lights. Man, it was beautiful there. There's so many great lights out there, and people don't people miss that opportunity to see them because they don't come into the neighborhood and drive through like they do in some other areas that are off popular roads. Yeah. Um, go ahead. I'm not sure if it's if those houses houses in that area around uh, College Hill was built by them or not. But I knew there were some houses in the area called uh, uh, Springdale that was built mm-hmm. in. Uh, by them. Where is and Springdale at? I'm not familiar. On the on what we call the south side of town, over off of uh, Polk Avenue, I believe. Okay, and, okay. Uh, and in Mount Pleasant, I know, I I know for sure there were there at least four brick homes. These were brick homes, mm-hmm. brick homes uh, on Glass Street that was built by uh, the uh, Mount Pleasant uh, Clark High Building Trades Department. That's very cool. My house was built in 1948 that I own here in Columbia, and so it was right around that same time period. I don't know who built it or how it got built, but it's a very nice house, very sturdy. Um, I like the fact that they took advantage of teaching. The teachers did and said, let's go out and learn a trade. Let's learn how to be a carpenter. Let's learn how to be a framer. Let's learn how to be a bricklayer In in high school. I mean, we practice those things today. In our CTE courses in in the school district, by teaching kids how to weld and do things, so they can leave high school and have a good job when they leave high school. Yeah, we, if they you know, like. they, you know, they, we had you know building trades department of uh, Clark and my, and uh, Carver Smith was doing this in the sixties. You know, yeah, that's we, you very know, cool. Teaching these trade was teaching students these trades back in the sixties, and there was nothing. I promise you, there was nothing that my grandfather couldn't build. I mean, he. It, once he put, once he kind of got his mind wrapped around, it, and, it, and it wasn't just him; it was several guys yeah. like him who, I mean, literally, once they sat and thought about it, it was nothing that they couldn't, you know, come up with or build or bring to life. What What amazed but, me when I asked the question about they didn't have a, a, a architecture plan, they didn't have no blueprints or anything; they just said we need the rooms here, the rooms here, and they just went ahead and did it. Well, I'm sure yeah, they, I'm sure they, I'm sure they put together no, some plans. Yeah, yeah, they, I'm, yeah, they put together these, a full architectural. Yeah, they had, okay, they had, they had to come. But up it wasn't with, provided to. No, them. they no. had to come up with all that on their own. They had to sit down and plan and map it out, and then then build it. I mean, they didn't go out there and just kind of draw lines in the dirt. I mean, they they. That's how I would have done. <laughs> no, they they you had folks that had. A high level of skill that could be matched up against anybody's in the country. Gotcha. When but it came to that, I think it's one of the more interesting ideas. You know, you know, the the new thing in education now is sure. is learning or is actually learning to use what you're being taught. Mm-hmm. Uh, where these students here in in that era literally built their neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You know, they they built their school. They built their neighborhood, you know, they're going out and that was how they learned how to do it yeah. was actually going out and doing it, which it's now considered a new model, <laughs> Yeah, which was, I mean, know, and, which is basically just going back and doing it the way we, what, the and, way they'd done it before all and, the time. And these same individuals too. I mean, I think you can, uh, when you take it to the next level, I remember reading the article, uh, that somebody had posted on Facebook and this was, I mean, my grandfather were probably, was probably in his thirties. Uh, maybe him and a, several guys uh, went around in various parts of the community in in, in Colombia, black communities, and built what they call mini parks. 
And so that was to give kids and communities access to parks because at the time they didn't have the full access to parks in those communities versus, you know, we did have that there was a Fairview Park, but they went and bought, built these mini parks all over town so that families could access to them. Beautiful parks with playground equipment and uh, picnic tables and, and pavilions and all of these things. Do some of these still not exist today? Uh, I, the only one that I know of is is the one mini park that's across. Now it, it has been developed and other things have been added to it, which was across the street from from H O Porter School. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking yeah. about. So, but there's a, a tiny of, park that it's yeah. got a nice sign and everything, and it's well kept up. Yeah, so they call them mini parks, and they built several of those. I mean, they probably built five or six of them across the entire entire community for for kids and families to be a part of. That's kind of cool. I, I, I'm, I'm quite amazed that there was so much going on and, and back then, and there was this amazing resiliency of people in the black community to be able to do things like this, to be able to step up, and, and when, when given material, they came up with a plan and built a school. Um, when playing sports, you know, they they were going up against the all white at the time schools or slightly integrated schools in the, in the districts or out of the district and and taking on the challenge because you were an athlete right back then right Mr. Yes. Mr. Cannon yes and so you were telling me that in the beginning when um when uh, Carver Smith or actually you were at um Clark were was allowed to play um, athletics and the, the tournaments and stuff, but not maybe in the complete district games. Um, so tell me a little bit about that athletic portion of that. We don't have a lot of time. I just got my two-minute warning, so we got the two-minute warning right now. No timeouts. So go ahead. Okay. I can tell you the I can tell you greatest story of all. 19, uh, 1968, yeah, Clark High Tigers. Yeah, um, yeah, I was a member of that team. Uh it was our second year in the 22nd District, and we uh, started off. Uh, our second game was uh, against Haylong High. First time Mount Pleasant Clark and Haylong High ever, ever play, had a chance to play sports against each other. So we played them, and we defeated Haylong High. First time we ever played them. Uh, the second, the, the uh, semifinals, we had to play uh, Franklin. Franklin uh, High School, we defeated them. And the finals, we had to play Columbia Central, you know, and this was the game everybody wanted to see. Mm -hmm. So everybody, the, not only the people, the black people, but the white people from Mount Pleasant, they joined against, you know, they joined us at Clark, you know, to come to Columbia and play uh, Central High. And we became the first black team, our black team, to win the 22nd District. We defeated Central High. Wow. Amazing. We have to take a break. So we'll be back with George Cannon, Chris Pointer, Mike Lyle, and myself after a word from our sponsors. Don't go away. Big Yellow School Bus with your host, Jack Cobb, with Murray County Public Schools will be right back after these messages from our sponsors. Hey, 
In today's uncertain world, you can never be too careful about your family's financial future. That's why the Parker Group, a part of Barrett's Private Wealth Management, is offering a free second opinion on your financial plans. Let us review your current plan, and we will identify any gaps and offer suggestions to improve it. Please call the Parker Group at 931-548-3737. That's 931-548-3737. Robert W. Barrett and Company Incorporated does not offer tax or legal advice. At Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat, you can always count on us for a great selection of late model, low mileage, one owner vehicles. All have been thoroughly inspected and are ready to go. You can even save time and buy online with our online shopping tool. Looking to sell your vehicle? Great news! We're paying top dollar for your trade. All makes, all models, and in any condition. Trade in and trade up today. At Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat, you can count on us. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hello, this is Rick Tillis. It is hard to believe that Tillis, Georgia opened a year ago this month. We love being a part of downtown Columbia, and we thank you all for the support, and we are looking forward to serving you in 2022. If you have not had a chance to stop by, we would love to meet you. Tillis Jewelry is a full-service jewelry repair and custom design shop. We carry beautiful jewelry from vintage to one-of-a-kind custom pieces. Tillis Jewelry, downtown Columbia and Lewisburg, owned and operated by Rick, custom designer, and Terry, registered gemologist, assuring you the best jewelry value and expert services. Welcome back. You're listening to the Big Yellow School Bus with your host, Jack Cobb with Murray County Public Schools. Welcome back to the Big Yellow School Bus, Murray County Public Schools talk radio show and podcast on 103.7 FM, brought to you by Caledonian Financial. Wow, you had me really, really on the edge of my seat, George, before the break, talking about this, was it 1968? 1968. 1968, where Clark High School went up against Haylong, Franklin, and then Central to win the 22nd District Championship. And that was the first time that had ever happened, correct? First all-black school to win that. What a momentous year for... For everybody, and and I loved it. I mean, I you got me going so much. You you had people from Carver Smith. What was the white school in Mount Pleasant? Haylong. Haylong. You had them coming to support you at the Central game. Yeah, my old yo, it, yo, instead of them like say yo having any animosity because we uh, happened to beat Haylong during that time. You know, when we got when we got up to play Columbia Central. Everybody in Mount Pleasant, black black people and white people, came together. You know, to, that against, had to be you know, great. Against Columbia. Oh yeah, you know, I, <laughs> that I, had I, to I be old uh, little mini miniature Hoosiers story. <laughs> I love the, the, it. The, the little you? school that goes up and whips yeah. up on the big boys. Yeah, because by size comparison, um, obviously Clark was much smaller than Central High School or Franklin, but much smaller, much or smaller. probably even um, Haylong. Oh, much yeah, much smaller. Yeah. 
But you had some talent on that team, and you went and defeated all three of them. Yes, yes. And then the community, white, black, everybody came to support you in that last final game. Yes, sir. That's excitement, isn't it, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, when you talk about, you know, when we early on in the show we were talking about education and some of the disadvantages because of, you know, the material that they had were two and three years uh, behind and, and the quality of the books and teachers having to try to teach a year up without materials. I mm-hmm. think that's the beauty. One beauty behind athletics is that it is a great equalizer. I agree. You can, either you can or you can't. And once both have – the 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 you know the tools necessary to play the game and you go head to head it's only going to be one winner at the end of that and and athletics prove that and that's a phenomenal story of 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 Clark and being able to defeat an all black team being able to defeat the teams that they defeated much larger than they were uh but athletics was that equalizer because that talent that true athletic talent was able to shine in the biggest moments, and everybody was on the same stage. And in 1968, an entire community came to back this team. Yep. That's, that just makes me get goosebumps all over me. I'm like, that's exciting stuff right there. Thank you for sharing that story. And you're right. It's probably one of the best stories that we've had on the show here today, and, and I really liked it a whole lot. I, I'm going to repeat it, okay? Yeah. I'm going to tell this story again. I've wrote down notes here, and it's something that that history needs to be shared more often. And there's a lot of history that has taken place in this county that I wasn't privy to because I didn't live here, but needs to be shared. It needs to be – people need to know the struggles and, and, the, and the, the, the things that brought people together, like a simple game brought people together. I, I do have one question kind of follow up on that. At that time, did, had the – was the state organized in such a way that you moved on beyond the, the county uh, competition? Once you won the county, did you? There was there a next level that you were able to compete in? Yes. Okay. Um, was don't want to talk about that. Don't want to talk. About that. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, comple- we, I completely understand. We, yeah. No, we. we uh, I, I've been there. I completely we understand the, uh, that. <laughs> we 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 did. We we were in the region tournament and. Just so happened they held it in uh, Franklin at, at uh, Franklin High School, and we had to play Franklin High School at Franklin High School in the regional tournament, and we beat them by one point in our district tournament semifinals, and they beat us by one point in the uh, in their gym. So in, it was uh, close, yeah. yeah. So it's okay. It's yeah. a very competitive game. No wonder just, you don't want to talk yeah. about it. <laughs> one it's, point. Okay, I, I was I was more afraid it was kind of a you know kind of a one sided deal, but no, it was a heartbreaker. <laughs> I see. Was. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. That that's that that's even more interesting to me that that you went to the next level and yeah. it was still very 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 competitive. competitive at that yeah. Level too. That's an amazing amazing story. Um, with, this is something that we need to make sure that is shared throughout our generations to come, the struggles and the togetherness and everything that took place in the late 60s that got us where we are today. I mean, just the fact that you had a community come together because of sports and athletics and and root together. And winning by one point, losing by one point, that's part of the history also, but it's quite amazing. Um, anything else that you can think of before we, um, where are we at on time, Mike? About a minute left before we start on our, ne- our last segment of the show, which is our shout outs. Chris, 
Charge? I, I think between Carver Smith and Clark, I mean, you had some phenomenal athletic teams. I mean, from track and field to to uh, you know basketball, baseball teams. I mean, you had really good teams that came out of both of those programs. Phenomenal. I mean, you could take up a week long worth of shows talking about the sports and the way that the community came together and, you know, just some amazing things. Like I remember, uh, you know, this community will get excited when you talk about, you know, Carver Smith and them marching to to Fairview Park to play a football game and the the band leading the way and the energy behind that. And, uh, you know, just those, those memories and that of community. I mean, it's, it's still fully ingrained deeply. uh, And I appreciate folks like Mr. Cannon uh, who who keeps those stories alive and you know I, I I love sitting back and just hearing those stories especially on the athletic side of things and just folks who made a huge difference in young people's lives who are now impacted individuals like myself today. Yeah, Murray County um, has got great athletic programs. We have some amazing athletes that come out of this county. Um, I, I can tell you right now, we have some famous athletes and Shaq Mason just to be one that I can think of right offhand. But I'm being told we're getting down to the the timing, and I would like to transition into our shout-outs. Mr. Cannon, do you have a shout-out for our listening audience today? Uh, first time I shout-out, you well, it might be advertised, but I'm going to shout-out to the Murray County African American Heritage Society in our 2022 calendar, which contains the uh, uh, medical doctors and lawyers that graduated from Murray County Public Schools, that carry faith from Murray County Schools, because we also have a student from Zion on there also. So, uh, and also, Mr. while Mr. Pointer is here, Mr. Pointer has two brother uh, lawyers that are I've just, seen that uh, in this calendar. You know, so it, it, you know, it's a proud family calendar. You know, George, but, did you bring that calendar to me at the office? Was it you? Somebody I, brought I, me I one. Sent you one. I sent you one. Yeah. Too, uh, through the courier, you know, so. And I've put that in the MCPS News School that. and Community Newsletter to let people know how to get one of those calendars. And you can find them on Facebook. It's an amazing group. The calendar is quite impressive. And, Chris, the fact that you had two of your brothers in there. Absolutely. Proud big brother moment. And, um, you know, I had to kind of put them both in headlocks to her up and get Mr. Cannon the information that he needed. But they're, they're both very busy. And, yes, they're both two, both very, very successful lawyers uh, in Nashville. Uh, Trent, my my middle brother, uh, is at LifePoint vice president. And then uh, my brother Jeremy is at uh, Waller. So very successful lawyers in, in the healthcare field. George, great shout-out. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, I was had it on my list of mention and I hadn't gotten to it so thank you for that and Chris Pointer did you have a shout out today yeah I'm I'm, I'm going to shout out everybody who paved the way um, before me uh, you know nobody is where they are without standing on the shoulders of somebody and you know I, I, I am just proud to, to, to be alongside someone like Mr. Cannon and, and others who paved the way before me um, and I'm able to stand where I'm able to stand because I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. And I think that's just uh, I'm in awe and, and humbled and appreciative of that every single day. You know, you talk about guys like Mr. Porter. That was my grandfather's hero was Mr. Porter. And I used to ask my grandfather all the time, where do you get all this stuff from you telling me? He said, Mr. Porter. And uh, so the things that Mr. Porter did way back then that influenced my grandfather influencing me today. And I'm I'm I'm, I'm just appreciative and humble to stand on the shoulders of giants. Awesome shout out, Chris. Mike Lyle. 
Yes, I, I'm going to echo that a little bit. I want to give my shout out to Mr. Cannon as well. Uh, he's retired. You know, he kind of shared with us his age and, and, and stuff like that. Most people at his age are, are resting and sitting back and kind of living for themselves. You know, he's out here with energy, passion, and enthusiasm, still working for the kids of Murray County. And, uh, again, paving the way for, for the younger generation. And I really appreciate his work, his service, both in the military and in the schools. Excellent shout out. Excellent, excellent. My shout out is going to go to Dr. Rose McLean for last year becoming my good friend and sharing her story and her adventures in integration from being the first black student at McDowell Elementary School. What a great show, guys. Thank you for coming today. George, thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. And the history you can share is is priceless to this community, and it's much appreciated. Thank you, and I enjoyed it very much. Well, that's it for this edition of the Big Yellow School Bus, brought to you by Caledonian Financial. We are on Saturdays at 9 a.m., Sundays at 7 p.m., and Mondays at 6 p.m. Is it 5 or 6 p.m.? 5 5, p.m. 5 5. p.m. Mondays at 5 p.m. Thanks for joining us, and we'll be back next week with another great edition of the Big Yellow School Bus. Thank you for tuning in to the Big Yellow School Bus with your host, Jack Cobb, with Murray County Public Schools. Hop on the Big Yellow School Bus every Saturday morning at 9 a.m., Sundays at 7 p.m., and Mondays at 5 p.m. Right here on WKRM 103.7 FM.